some who call me Tim. The lights go down and shadows fall. Welcome to a world of mysteries, of conspiracies, of hidden and forgotten knowledge. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is open. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. Welcome to another stimulating episode of The Outer Edge. I'm William Michael Mott here with Tim Schwartz. And uh, Sunday, the 17th of May, where I am, and it is already the 18th where Tim is. Soon I will join him there in that, uh, that right now we're sort of in the transition area between time zones. So let's see, time travel is possible. Um, anyway, <laughs> here we are, and uh, it's, a, it's another weekly episode on the PSN Radio Network. And uh, we appreciate all you guys out there listening to us and and, and downloading our podcast and all that stuff. And uh, it, it's glad to know that there are people who actually listen. <laughs> it's late at night. Oh but, yes, uh, yeah. We're 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 happy that you're you're out there listening to us. Well. Um, I guess we came in with a little bit of music by a friend of mine, uh, Ron Kozakowski, who has a group called Tribal Music Warriors, and he, Ron is a is a martial arts uh, uh, Philippine Filipino martial arts instructor, and uh, he has a new album out with his some of his martial arts guys called Tribal Music Warriors, and uh, that song was called Sombrada Blades, and it's a really cool album. You can find it if you go look for it online. Um, Tribal Music Warriors. Very cool stuff. It's actually designed to work out with. If you're like using uh, weapons, doing weapon forms, or katas, or anything like that, you play that music, and supposedly it really helps with uh, with what you're doing. Oh, I can I can I can see that. Yeah, uh, and uh, we'll be running more music uh, from Tribal Music Warriors throughout. Uh, today's episode, so cool. you know, cool. going, you're going going in and out of our breaks. Uh, that's uh, that will be the music that uh, we will be featuring today. So, you cool. know, get your get your nunchucks out and uh, work out work out alongside of the other that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just watch out for the television and the computer. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, you know, you know, they actually they make like beginner nunchucks yeah, yeah. Like uh, when I, the foam ones when they were when they were training when they were young yeah well when i was when i was taking <laughs> yeah oh when i when i was taking mixed martial arts i mean that's that's what we had we had these foam ones but i mean even then you know you whack yourself upside the head with them a couple of times they've got a, they've usually got like a hard plastic piece inside of them or a hard mm-hmm. wooden piece inside of the the foam so they still have weight and impact you know and uh, yeah they can uh, they can still break something like you know, mm. a TV. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I suppose they could if you fling them hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> with weapons. I mean, he he's just got the natural ability because I guess because he was training, you know, when he was really young. But he could pick up just about anything and just go to town with it. And uh, it's amazing to watch him. And he'll just pick up something in here where I work, and he'll start work doing some elaborate, just a bunch of moves with a with a sword or a knife. And I'll say, you know, you really should go outside with that. You really shouldn't be swinging that around in here. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Uh, there's a TV right there. <laughs> 
And your computer, your computer is right there. That's right. My computer's right here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, he's good. Oh, yeah. He's good. Well, I wish I had that natural ability. You know, uh, as 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 I got older and got interested, you know, like in mixed martial arts and stuff. I mean, I really had to work hard uh, to do stuff like that. And then, you know, I would see other people who would just come in off the street and they would pick stuff up. And I mean, they just would just—it would just be amazing sometimes how how good some of these people would be. <laughs> and I just. Uh, it is. I mean, you know, you you either have it or you don't. And I mean, you know, you can work really hard and get somewhat proficient at it, like me. Uh, but you know, I I would never be as good as as some of the heck. My my daughter, my eight year old daughter. I mean, she uh, was able. She was able to pick stuff up like that. I mean, just just right away. But but you know, I mean, she's she's a natural. I mean, she she's a dancer. Um, you know, she just has that that right. ability. And you start and, them young. You know, you you, you yeah. get them started doing that stuff young when they're young, and it becomes second nature to them. I mean, it's it's basically a large part of this probably muscle memory. You know, and mm-hmm. but it becomes uncon you know unconscious or sub, uh, just totally not. They could do it without thinking about it. Right, right. Kind of like to yeah. pick up a pencil or whatever, and so you mm-hmm. start when they're young, and and they they can. They'll, they'll pick it up, and uh, okay. now you know when it when it came to you know like uh, uh, bow and arrows or um, uh, uh, shooting. I mean, you know, I I did stuff like that when you know I was really really young, and you know got yeah. to be you know got to be really really good at it till till my eyesight just started you know <laughs> kind of go going to hell in a handbag. Uh, but you know, like you know, like I said, like nunchucks or uh, um, uh, they just. Uh, uh, some of the some of the moves you know that you're supposed to memorize in in yeah. mixed martial arts. You know, well, you know, I always did that stuff growing up. You know, yeah. shooting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, here's the difference. You know, I mean, there were no video games, right? So no, no. Yeah. Even if you didn't have any friends around, I mean, I can remember going outside at the time living in the country, and I'd go outside with uh, with uh, hatchets. Not tomahawks, but hatchets. Hatchets, right? And uh, and knives and all kinds of stuff, and just practice throwing into the side of a barn or, or to the end of a log for literally for like two or three hours, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. Inter- just just to to entertain myself and to learn how to do it. Of course, now I can throw a tomahawk. I mean, I- I'm pretty good, okay, and, and and a Bowie knife or anything like that, or shoot a gun or whatever. But you only do that if you get off your butt and go outside. And and train, you know, and of course swords and stuff. You know, I've been practicing with swords for decades now. But the thing is that kids that that sit around watching TV all the time and and playing video games, they're really missing out on a very formative part. Not just of being young, but they're. I've heard so many kids saying things like, I, "I'm a I'm a badass because I I can play Halo or or, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or some of these army related games, you know." Mm, and I'm thinking, Call of Duty, yeah, or... Call of Duty. Yeah, it's like kids, you don't you don't have a clue, you know. You, <laughs> if you ever were up against it, you'd be in trouble. And then as an adult, see, they haven't done themselves any favor because not only are they not going to be capable of actually doing these things, but they have a de- they have delusions of grandeur. Yeah. They can get yeah. up the trouble. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and our society now certainly doesn't 
help it any when you've got these communities that uh, uh, will call the police on kids who are out in front of their house on the sidewalk riding their bicycles, right? Uh, be- because you know, because uh, you know, mom or dad aren't out there, you know, supervising with a, uh, every minute, yeah, yeah, with a leash on them and stuff. Well, you know, um, I mean, when we were kids, we had to worry about weirdos and criminals and stuff, but we were basically told, you know, kick them in the balls, punch them in the throat, and run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or or pick up something and hit them. You know, we didn't have to be babysat constantly. You know, and, and I just I'm like you. I think that this overbearing nanny state that we have, you know, it it trickles down from the government's attitude about about the people, and it, it it's it's don't even get me started on Common Core. It's the same kind of thing. You know, we have to supervise every aspect of their lives. You know, that type of crap, and that is what it is. Is crap and. Uh, well, no, I mean, for it. I, you know, I I think that you know, you you know, I mean, you definitely you know need to teach your kids to you know to be wary of uh, you know overly friendly strangers and things like that. But this whole uh, this whole thing that uh, um, um, sexual predators, stranger danger has has gotten out of control is a yeah. myth. You know, it is it is not as bad as people are are thinking it is, and yeah. it's simply it's simply because, you know, we live in a twenty four hour uh, uh, news world, and so naturally any occurrence that happens any place in the world is going to get reported on all the times, and that gives people the mistaken imp- impression, you know, that there are you know sexual predators banging on your door every day trying to get your children. Yeah. yeah. And so, like I said before, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, you, you teach your kids to, you know, not talk to strangers, run away if you, you know, uh, if you're approached. But the fact that, you know, if a kid is outside playing and they risk, you know, being being, you know, picked up and thrown into the, uh, you know, into the candy van, as we always uh, called it, you know, all the time. I mean, that's just it's a myth, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, the the more that People know that that is a myth, and and police too, because you know this whole subject like uh, uh, of these kids who have been uh, uh, picked up by the police because they're out playing in front of their house, and then the police you know like yell at the parents and tell them, don't you know how dangerous the world is out there? And it's like, oh come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we were always taught that there were. You know, bad people in the world, but they're also dangerous sure. animals. There's yeah. things that you don't do. You know, I can remember um, when I was uh, 15, I think, maybe I was 16, and my my brother was 12, I think, and my dad just went out one day, took us. We said, "Come on, we're going somewhere," and we went out, and we went. He took us. He he, take, he doesn't tell us where he's going. He pulls up at, at a Yamaha dealership. Okay, he takes us in there, and he says, "He says we're going to get y'all some bikes." I'm like, okay, let's go. I see, we weren't we weren't wealthy at all. We were, you know, he was in he was an enlisted uh, he was a chief petty officer, but he didn't make much money, and uh, at the time, mm-hmm. but he had somehow I don't know if he got a tax refund or what it was, and he decided that we needed something like that, you know. So I got a, an Enduro one seventy five, and, and my my brother got an Enduro um, one twenty five. And basically, got home, got on them, started riding them, uh, rode trails, went to uh, places where people were doing motocross, and got out there in the dirt with them, and up and down the big giant hills, and mm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. No supervision, you know. 
just go. Go have fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And see, you don't see that happening anymore. Now now everything is so overly uh, um, regulated, you know. So uh, I, it's just it's, it's sad to me because I can remember being 16 and being really ready to get home from school and go get on my bike and oh, get, sure. tear it up for a couple hours, you know. And, man, yeah, I had some wrecks, some bad ones, man. But, you know, that's how you learn. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, my my wife has a tendency to be, you know, uh, uh, very overprotective of our daughter, and you know, and I can understand, I can understand that to a certain extent. But I mean, it's uh, you know, we we live in a neighborhood that is 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 fairly quiet, and it it hasn't been until just the last couple of months that my wife has broke down and allowed my daughter to actually ride her bicycle in on the street in front of our house. You know. Now now guaranteed, I mean, you know, there uh it's it's a it's a it's a fairly straight road. I mean and it's uh a, you know it's it's off the main drag, but still it's a straight road and, and some people do have a tendency to, you know, tear ass down it. Uh but uh, I mean I I know that when I was a kid, right? Um, you know, I was out riding my bicycle in the street in front of my house. I mean, I was probably six years old. You know, no, no helmet, nothing like that. Right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm still alive. So, but, no, we uh, we never rode. I mean, we we never wore helmets when we rode our bikes, did we? No, 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 no. We we, and I can remember being hit by a car once when I was on my ten speed. So, I was thirteen then. I mean, the guy ran a stop sign and hit me. I went flying through the air, landed in the road, got all banged up. He gets out of his car. He looks at me. Says, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, I think so." He jumps in his car and he takes off. <laughs> mm. I'm not recommending mm. that for children, but I'm just saying. Mm. Oh you know, my god! <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> but by the way, yeah. let me say that if I'm coughing and wheezing today, it's because I was out on the in the pollen all day yesterday uh tilling up a garden so um yeah i'm kind of choked up today but uh hopefully it won't interfere too much with what we're doing <laughs> yeah it's that time of year uh it's it's just been really bad around here you know when it comes to uh uh pollen and allergies and stuff and oh and you know speaking of yeah, this is this is a bad segue but uh, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, uh just for a few minutes before we go to our first break. I don't know if you have uh, heard, you know, the uh, uh, folk singer Joni uh, uh, Mitchell has been in the hospital now for a couple of months. And um, she they found her, I guess, collapsed uh, and unconscious. And uh, she's, uh, 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 I guess... <sighs> Not in a not in a good state. They're, they're thinking that maybe she can come home soon. But uh, you know, a few years ago, she wrote about how she is she is suffering from that disease called Morgellons or Morgellons. Right. I'm not quite right. sure. I always called it Morgellons. Right. And uh, and in fact, uh, you know, I uh, I put out a book. Um, gosh, it's been like ten years ago. Yeah, I remember about, that. About Morgellons, it was it was the first first book that ever came out on the subject. Most people had never even heard about it, and uh, you know I mentioned in there that uh, you know she had reported that she was suffering from it, and I mean she uh, she got a lot of grief from that from people, uh, especially doctors, uh, 
who insisted that uh, you know it's it's delusional. It's I can't remember what the term of it is, but it's basically you know a a, a, a mental ailment where people feel like that they have bugs crawling on or underneath their skin, and and then a lot of these people have a tendency to like pick at their skin and then save you know what they what they get off of it. Ugh. Yeah, in in, in in matchboxes and bottles and things like that, and then take it to That's the doctors. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But yeah, I I think there is something to uh, Morgellas. I think that there's definitely something going on. Um, so, you know, I, well, it, it bothers me that it, it's kind of like people that have strange encounters. People that have new and previously unknown ailments are often ridiculed for decades sometimes until somebody says, hey, you know what, there actually might be something to that. Oh, I know. Well, uh, you know, some of these, uh, uh, there was an article in, uh, uh, in People magazine just this last week about this, uh, uh, uh this woman wrote, wrote the article and, uh, you know, she talked about how she had, uh, suffered from this for, for quite a long time and she could not even get doctors and dermatologists to look at her. They would, she said that they would just sneer at her and yeah. a lot of times just refuse to make an appointment, you know, uh, with her, uh, uh, about it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, if you have ever seen photographs of people who are suffering from this, I mean it's right. it's it's terrible because you you develop lesions all over your body. Well, it's uh, very strange because the stuff that comes out seems to be polymer based. Well, that you know that's that's uh, uh, what they were thinking at first, but uh, I just recently uh, there has been some uh, new results. Uh, from uh, like analysis right. of of the fibers, because you know Morgellons is also called the fiber disease because right. there are like hairs or fibers that are seen coming out of these lesions, right. and these lesions appear to are not the lesions the the fibers appear to be uh, keratin based. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's you know like the the same thing that your you know fingernails and stuff are made. Well, of. that almost sounds like a virus because you know there are there are or even. Uh, um, yeah, a virus or a fungus, but you know, it's, it's kind of like the guy, uh, in Indonesia who had the, the, um, the, the so-called warts grow all over his body that were real hard. They were made of keratin and they were like horns mm-hmm. and ridges. And they said that was a disease that normally rabbits got and somehow this guy got it. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was basically, uh, a, a, a virus. And well, it was that, yeah, so. It appears now that Morgellons may be related to uh, the same disease as Lyme disease, huh. uh, which is, it's not a virus, it's a bacteria, I think. Wow. Uh, I'd, have, I'd, have to look, I'd have to look that up. And, That's and crazy. Because the majority of the people who, um, who have Morgellons also have the same kind of like spirochetes in their body as from Lyme disease. So you know it. Uh, um, there, the the two seem to be you know, related. There's also a, a a bovine disease that is uh, very similar, where uh, cows, cattle, will uh, develop lesions, especially around their hooves, that uh, uh, then produce a, a growth of uh, fibers that are keratin based. Yeah. So you know, uh, it. I, I think that people started to set up and take notice yeah. once. Uh, you well, know, you know the whole the whole jackalope mythology or, or, or mm-hmm. legend is based on uh, these these horny protrusions that are basically hard keratin warts that grow on the heads of rabbits and they end up looking like they've got antlers um, so that's where that actually comes from 
Well, it just it just goes to show you, though, like you said, uh, uh, you know, people who experienced these previously unknown symptoms uh, were basically laughed at, told that they were, you know, that they uh, that they were mentally unstable, right? You know, right. Ra- exactly. Rather rather than actually taking the time and uh, and trying to treat them, instead, a lot of these doctors tried to prescribe them antidepressants. Well, I can remember fifteen. 16, 17 years ago, knowing some ladies that had fibromyalgia, and they mm-hmm. said they had a hard time getting the doctors to believe it was even real. Yep. You know? And it's the same sort of thing. Same sort of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. It really is. So, uh, uh, the, the, the Borellans book is, is going to be reissued soon, uh, by Tim Beckley's, uh, Interlight uh, Global Communications. So, I mean, cool. if you're interested, if you're interested in this subject, this this is the book that uh, that that helped you know yeah, uh, it is. Uh, uh, bring you know uh, bring this to the attention of I mean outside outside of the internet and, and that was the other thing I mean you know a lot of experts are saying oh well this is just a, you know like an internet disease yeah exactly. uh, you know meaning that you know people would read about it on forums or see it online or things like that and then you know they'd be like oh i've got it too now you know okay now there there are there are there are people who are who are like that yes i mean there are people who do have uh uh problems and yeah yeah you know and and think that they have these diseases but you know just to go and to lump everybody into that category uh, because they are exhibiting, you know, these these symptoms which are similar to uh, you know other previously diagnosed uh, uh, mental conditions. I mean, that's I'm sorry, that's just poor poor doctoring. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so everybody, check out that book. When you guys reissue it, we'll uh, we'll talk about it here when you do. So yeah, yeah we will. Yeah. So uh, tonight uh, we uh, we have a return to uh, the outer edge of uh, Olaf Phillips. Uh, always, always very happy to have Olaf. A friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, uh, I was uh, I was on with Olaf. Uh, on a, uh, 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 a show the other night when uh, we were taught, all of us, it was a roundtable discussion talking about the Roswell, or <laughs> as somebody has put it now, the not the Roswell slides. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I thought that this would be, this would be a good opportunity to, uh, to bring Olaf back onto the show, and I mean, uh, I know we both we we want to talk a little bit more, <laughs> and probably at this point, I know that there's people who's like, oh, enough with the Olaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, 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 uh, a lot of us had commentary on that situation, and uh, it's basically to me, it's inexcusable. But we'll talk about it when we get Olaf on here. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's appropriate for you know one last time because I mean there's been some new information that has come out. Um, gosh, I mean since since uh, since we were on on Sunday, and uh, so I think that uh, we definitely need to uh, talk a little bit about it and and, and discuss uh, what uh, what other things that Olaf has been up to. So why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, go to our break here, Mike? And when we come right, back, let's do uh, it. We will have our guest Olaf Phillips. You're listening to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your Internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now, 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. mrufo8 at hotmail.com. Find out what they don't want you to know. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz. Only on PSN Radio. Okay, welcome back once again to The Outer Edge, and uh, in the background right now is Heaven Six. Oh my gosh, how would you pronounce this, Mike? Is it Sinawali? Possibly? <laughs> Sinawali? Uh, that's close enough. <laughs> yeah, it works for me. By uh, uh, Tribal Music Warriors. Ooh. And uh, throughout uh, throughout today's show, during our break, and, uh, we will uh, we'll bring in uh, more songs from uh, Tribal Music Warriors. I like this stuff. It's very cool. It, has, it really is. It, 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 it has a, a, an interesting sound to it. So yes. uh, with us today is our good friend uh, Olaf Phillips, who has been with us uh, gosh, several times on uh, The Outer Edge, a couple times on our old show, Unraveling the Secret. So it's uh, Olaf, it's always great to have you with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, and, and thank you. It's always an honor to talk with you guys, too. Well, you have some news, don't you, Olo? I mean, didn't you just recently uh, acquire a new endeavor? I have. I I, uh, I recently acquired Steam Shovel Press, uh, one of the oldest um, conspiracy magazine zines uh, around, um, yeah. home of some amazing research by Ken Thomas, uh, Jim Keith, uh, yes. Robert Tron Wilson, uh, the list, John Judge, the list goes on and on. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. I'm excited. Well, what made what made you uh, decide that uh, you wanted to uh, take that on? You know, there's a um, there's a thing that's kind of happening right now in, in conspiracy research, in both the UFO side and the, the more uh, parapolitical side. You know, I think they're very different things. Um, but what's been going on is that a lot of magazines have been dying. You know, their uh, Nexus, you know, whatever you think of it, ne- Nexus doesn't really publish inside the United States anymore. You know, a lot of UFO magazine is gone, you know, and, and a lot of them are hanging on, uh, and they're, they're very close to the edge. And, you know, that, that bothers me. I'm a, I'm a writer, you know, I, I like writing. And I think um, I think people want a magazine. I think they want a magazine, the print magazine that they can hold right. and read. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I think that it's you know it's important that we keep you know keep this medium alive. That and I I think that you know we've been losing these these magazines and and zines and other stuff you know at an alarming rate. And I thought you know. I just I want to keep it going, 
you know, come hell or high water, I, I just I want I like I liked re, I used to enjoy reading Steam Shovel Press, you know, and I I just felt that I, I wanted to keep it up and running and keep it going for the future and and give you know Ken and and other people an outlet for their writing, you know. Well, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, I I love print magazines you know i mean it's uh, uh i still i've been a subscriber to say like 40 and times for years now sure. and i mean you know that's that's an expensive magazine to subscribe to by the way uh, uh but uh gosh i mean it used to be i mean i subscribed to just i mean you know, like you said i mean you know uh, uh, a ufo magazine uh, uh there was like a you know psychic magazine mysteries uh, uh i i still subscribe to fate magazine except that it only comes out every you know once in a blue moon it 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 seems like and i really do i miss sitting down and you know physically holding a magazine and you know the 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 smell of the paper and 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 all of that um but uh you know even even in their heydays for uh, uh, magazine uh, publications, you know, uh, in this field, I mean, they had a hard time going of it, and so I mean, you know, I I, I could just imagine how difficult it's going to be now, uh, <laughs> you know, considering the competition with the internet. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I think that you you need to embrace the nature of the internet to make it succeed, and you know. There, there are different ways to handle magazines, and and I, I agree with you. You know, I I found a new joy for magazines because when I when I put them up for print, um, when I set them up to be printed, um, I had to get proofs, and so I suddenly had all the issues of Steam Shovel Press, something mm-hmm. I've never had a, a near complete set of. Right. But you know, I have this huge pile of you know there are twenty four issues. I think I I think I have twenty of them available. So I have a pile of twenty magazines, you know, that I get to read through, and and it was wonderful. Um, but you know, I'm I'm going to try to do things a little differently um, than I think a lot of magazines have. I'm taking a different tact. Um, we're we're working on the website now. Um, it's almost ready, the new website for Steam Shovel. And I think that one of the things that I'm going to do, and this is a, kind of a radical departure, but I think it's where we're at today with magazines, mm-hmm. is that I'm going to offer different versions of it. So <clears throat> you will have the print version, which inevitably is going to be expensive. I can't help it. It just is expensive to make them. Um, but if you want it, you'll have the ability to have it. Um, so I'm going to have a print version. I'm hoping to drive the price down. My target per per issue is is I'm going to try to get it around you know seven dollars, which right. I think is pretty, pretty reasonable. Well, using print on demand, you can probably do this. Yeah, yeah, now, it's, so. it's 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 by quantity of pages. So I'm going to be making trying to do some things around that. But you know, seven bucks plus shipping, I think, is not bad. Um, I already have a bunch of them on Kindle. Um, I'm adding the rest. Cool. So that if you have a Kindle device, you can you can read it that way. Yeah, and then I, I have that. Yeah, and then um, awesome. then I'm going to offer an advertising supported version for free off the website. Cool. So that you know, if you really want the information, because ultimately the thing the thing that I'm bound to, I would like to make some money. 
um, to offset the cost of running it because you know sure. you website and this and that. But you know, I'm also driven by the notion that the information has to be available. How dare you be a capitalist? <laughs> but you know, but also a capitalist with a conscience, right? I, I think that, that some of these articles that, that Ken, you know, Ken has written, some of the stuff that Jim Keith did back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, the article, the interviews with you know William S. Burroughs, Timothy Leary. I mean, these are important things, and I think you know, and and you're he, you know, Ken a lot of times interviewed guys that were directly. You know, had direct interactions with, say, the Kennedy assassination, something that is becoming increasingly more difficult year by year. You know, mm-hmm. so the, these are important artifacts, and I, I want to try to. I was searching for a way to try to just make it available, and so I, I'm going to try a more advertising supported model of it. So what you'll get is a, a PDF filled with ads. Well, you know, but you can get it, right? So that's that's and that'll be free. And you never know when somebody might have hidden some sort of diabolical secret embedded in one of those ads. They could be deciphered future <laughs> researchers. Well, actually, I have another <coughs> magazine uh, that I, I've been working on. I have one issue out uh, called Mysterious Magazine, and and in that um, we have a a roaming a roaming uh, crypto editor and he uh, he is busily working on uh, cryptograms that we can embed in the magazine so that when you at the end of the year um, if you decipher them all you can get a prize wow that's cool I love that that's great actually one of one of the other things that I'm going to I'm going to do is you know I I think we need to change change the the dialogue, right? And the way that we converse about conspiracies. And I, I think a lot of times, you know, I'm a pretty serious guy. Um, I take this stuff very seriously. Uh, but you know, sometimes you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt. And mm-hmm. so, like in Mysterious Magazine, you know, I have a I have a section called uh, "Ask the Government Plant" because myself. And probably you guys too, and everybody else who does this at one point or another has been called a government plant or a student. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yep. I'm not, you know, newsflash, I'm not. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun to ask the government plant. It has a picture of a plant with a government ID, and you can ask the plant what he's overheard here, what it has overheard in the in the government cubicle farm in which it resides. And, you know, I added weird hauntings. I had a, a haunted uh, Burger King. But <laughs> one of the things that, that I'm going to do is steam shuffle. I'm sorry, but that's funny. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really yeah. bizarre. You want, a, you want a sneak peek? You want a spoiler? The, sure. Uh, in, the next, in the next issue of Mysterious Magazine, um, I'm going to put in a haunted uh, Toys R Us. <laughs> I've actually heard of that. That was home yeah, yep. in the eighties, out in uh, it's, it's the Santa Clara Valley. But um, the other the other thing that I'm going to do is that I was thinking that in Steam Shovel or maybe in Mysterious, I don't know. But I'm going to have uh, something that's equivalent to to make. Well, can I use a four letter word? Oh sure. Okay, um, it's going to be something equivalent to to make some shit. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the first thing we're going to have is, because I want to do an issue about mind control, so the first thing we're going to do is, is have the how to build a Faraday cage for under 20 bucks. And, wow. Yeah, and instructions on how to make a Faraday cage for under 20 bucks, specifically a Faraday cage hat. To keep the to keep the electro beams out of your head, <laughs> the instructions can be can we'll have instructions in there on how to make it on a more mass scale. Like if you want to take a shed or you want to set up a Faraday cage in your garage or whatever. Conceptually, it's the same thing. He's building a Faraday cage in a hat, uh, you know, to make it fun. But you know, you can use the same. You can. We're gonna have okay. If you want to do it in a garage, this is what you would do. But every issue, I, I'm thinking in, in Steam Shovel, every issue, we're going to have some sort of uh, maker kind of thing, like, you know, make a bug detector for less than 20 bucks, you know, make a oh. make an EM, EM generator to scramble the bugs for less than 20 bucks, you know. Make oh, a- I love that. Yeah. That is. That's that's just that's just really great. Yeah, it, 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 it really is. I mean, it, uh, it it it's very much like uh, uh, life hacker uh, items, right? Except for the conspiracy field. Yeah, that that was the idea. You know how to how to make a a specific mirror, you know, a specific kind of mirror that you can mount in your car to see if you're being tailed. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or how to fit a camera onto your, you know, your car so that you can, you can see if somebody's following you or who's behind you or you know whatever. What we there's a there's a bazillion things that we can we can make. <laughs> so did uh, um, uh, did you have any problems with uh, acquiring this from from Ken? I mean, I know that he kind of uh, uh, just. Uh, I don't want to say washed his hands on everything, but uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what was his reaction when you approached him about this? Well, Ken, Ken came to me, and and you know, we were having a conversation, and Ken was saying that that he kind of, you know, he, he was saying that his heart is really in the um, in the writing, mm-hmm. as is mine. You know, but I'm. But in this situation, I felt that it was important because these things are going away, and I want to stop it. Right. right. My, my heart's in the writing too. But he was saying that his heart is in the writing, and and you know, he. I think he he doesn't really want to deal with the day to day operation of it. The the kind of mechanical. I want to print a magazine. I need to update a website. It's all that kind of mechanical stuff that's not fun. Right. Fun stuff is writing, right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no 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 no! I, I was I was just agreeing with you. You know that. Uh, yeah. I mean the 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 fun stuff is in the writing and the research. Right. So, you know, I, he kind of wanted to retire from magazine operations, so to speak. So we worked out a deal where where I could, and and it's a a different kind of deal. Than you would normally get a lot of times when you buy something, you just buy it straight up and you say, "Okay, you're out, get lost." But I didn't want to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. Ken Ken made this magazine. He invented it. He, he he edited it. He wrote it. You know, for years, decades. You know, he, so he's he's our publisher emeritus, and uh, you know, he's he's still going to be writing and, and doing stuff. And then I'll, I'm taking over more of the the operational side of it, 
you know, and, and, and writing and, and laying it out and coming up with exciting stuff for it. But he's he's really involved, and it's it just he's involved in a in a way that he wanted to be involved, which is the writing side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and helping me find articles and, you know, maybe coming up with ideas and things like that. The stuff he likes. <laughs> he retired from the rest. <laughs> well, I'm really, I'm really excited to uh, to to see this come out. I mean, I was always a big fan of Steve Shovel Press, and uh, you know, now that uh, so what, Steve Shovel Press 2.0. So I, that's yeah. I'm, I'm excited right. about this. Yeah, yeah this I mean, is cool. This is, Very cool. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, it's a subject that you know. I mean, all of this is is you know near and dear to my heart. So, uh, right. um, and and now that I know that you're doing this, I'm going to have to uh, uh, I'm going to have to get on get onto it and contribute to it. <laughs> I always wanted to contribute to Steam Shovel, the original Steam Shovel Press, uh, but uh, didn't uh, didn't have the time or the experience. And and now that I now that I do, I I definitely want to uh, <laughs> I want to contribute. <laughs> well, you know, I I think it's I, I want a lot of people to contribute, and, and I want to bring back a lot of people that have been brought out of the fold. Right, that they're for some reason, and I've never completely understood this. You know, I, I studied anthropology and history, and so I have that I have that kind of mentality. But so I look back into time to to see what happened and to see where we come from. And there's something about conspiracies, and there's something about ufology in general and mysteries, right. where they they forget everything that's older than about five years. There are certain things that people, that are perennial favorites that kind of evergreen, like the JFK assassination is evergreen, right? In another mm-hmm. 20 years, we can argue about, you know, was E. Howard Hunt one of the, you know, um, one of the hobos, right? But, and that's evergreen. But for example, cattle mutilations, right? You know, I can show you right now a documentary made in the 70s where they they were holding black lights over cattle. They were talking about cattle mutilations and holding black lights over cattle and, and finding phosphorescent material on the cattle that were, that were uh, mutilated. You know, but that seems to have been conveniently forgotten. I mean, with the whole Roswell Slides thing, right? The, that debacle. You know, I, I thought to myself, you know, there's so much more than this. So I, I went out and, and I uh, I went through my files and I found the the old. Um, I, they're not really slides. It's more of their. Uh, oh, they're just computer graphics from 1988 mm-hmm. from old UFO uh, cover up live. <laughs> and I put those out. I said, well, you know what? If you believe in the Roswell slides, what do you think about this? This is far more compelling to me. You know, and that brings up, yeah, and that brings up the whole aviary thing. But this is all stuff that that's older than five years, so we forget about it. You know, right? Yep. So I want to I want to bring a lot of people back into the fold that that have kind of that were active in the '90s and the '80s because that there was some amazing work done right. in the '80s and the '90s that's just vanished. Yeah, there was there was some serious research being done. You know, oh, yeah. it, it, we've talked about this before, but it seems to me like a lot of the things that we see now in, in ufology are they are they used to be fads, and they slowly, slowly, slowly became mainstream ideas. 
but there's not really any evidence to back them up. And right. one good example of that is the whole disclosure movement. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's a fad. It's a, but it, it, it's also a pseudo religion for some people. You know, there's just, but what they don't understand is even if they get disclosure, why do they think they can believe what they're told by the government or by the so-called aliens? I mean, the whole thing is so absurd and ridiculous. But you know, there's not a lot of rational thought going into any of it. And see, ufology used to be a little more um, skeptical, critical, self-critical. You know, and a lot of these uh, topics. You know these so-called fringe subjects were were a little more um, um, taken more seriously by the researchers, but not so seriously that they closed their minds to all the possibilities. You know, I would say they were more reasonable. Yes, they were. And yeah, I mean, and, I agree with you. I agree. And with the, you. The, the Roswell slide thing is a perfect example of this. I mean, it's like I was telling somebody the other day. I was over on uh, Richard Dolan's page commenting where uh, Nick Redfern had posted something, and so I made some comments. And I said something about you know that the the mu- it was obviously a mummy, like we had all been talking about. You know, it was obviously a mummy, a mummified child. And I said, and it's even you know lying on top of uh, what looked like burial blankets or cloths. Mm-hmm. And some guy jumps in there and goes. This is a guy who somehow, I guess, is involved or has some vested interest. I don't even remember who it was, but he gets in there and he says, Well, we have confirmation that that's a U.S. Army issue blanket circa 1947. <laughs> and I said, well, Oh, yeah, is that right? I said, Where's the label? I said, I don't see a label. I don't see a stenciling on the blanket that says U.S. Army. I said, Show me some evidence that that's a U.S. Army blanket. Well, we have confirmation. Even, yeah, it's, even, it's crazy it stuff like that, you know? Even if it is a U.S. Army blanket, so what? What does that tell you? But, but, but the right. whole point is, Olaf, it's not. Right. It's, it, it has some kind of burial it's blanket. A bur- the child. It's, yeah. It's great. But, but these people are not rational. not rational. That's a good way to put it. They're not rational. And like you said, they're not reasonable. So it's like you're attacking their religion. It's, it's almost like uh, you drew a picture of, of their prophet. You know, when you when you point out just a simple fact like that. Well, you know, to me, the Roswell slides are, are a great example of, w- of what's been happening more recently, and and I think people in general, <clears throat> I think they want the old way, but you're always going to get the vocal ten percent that's going to get up there and yell at you and call you a government stooge and whatever. <laughs> but you know, the, I think I think most people are, are reasonable, and, and I think the reasonableness has actually risen. You know, I had a I had a meeting with a guy the other day, and and I was talking to him, and the the subject came up that you know because I mentioned that I I have servers and all this stuff, and and, and I was explaining it was well, what do you do with it, right? Oh, you know, I've got a I just got a magazine, and you know, I write books and all this stuff and he asked well what do i you know what do i write it's an inevitable question and i was talking to him about it and never once did he look at me and go you're nuts <laughs> instead he was like he's like that you know a lot of the things that you just explained sound very reasonable and probable right so i think you know Ten years ago, twenty years ago, it would have been the Laugh Olympics. Today, mm. you know, people buy it, but I think you've got to you've got to give them things that make sense, you know. And, and I saw it too. I mean, 
I watched it. Um, I was doing Ground Zero at the time. We were talking about it on Ground Zero, and and I was watching it at the same time. And there's, you know, we we can get into the the slides, but I do want to say something about disclosure. But you know, <clears throat> the whole thing is is just a fiasco. You know, I just I don't understand. It's I I even posted this. Some somebody was trying to defend it and well you didn't watch you didn't do this you didn't do that you didn't do this you didn't do that yeah that was in the same thread the same comment thread and and i and my answer is simple hey look i'm educated i have a brain and i'm reasonable right i also spent five years studying anthropology in in an accredited state school Hmm. you know i've done and you did did watch it and you did watch it and i did watch it i watched the whole thing (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and, and frankly, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I do believe that it was worth my twenty bucks because Dolan did a great disclosure, you know, presentation. You know, Don Schmidt, uh, you know, he did his Roswell thing, and it was very entertaining. And it was also very entertaining watching these guys with, with you know, degrees and and supposedly you know background explain to me things that are patently idiotic. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's what gets me about it. Look, I mean, it's like I said, how could anybody, not anybody with even any slightest knowledge of archaeology, anthropology, ancient cultures, Native Americans, any of this stuff, mummification, how could anybody look at those slides and not say, that's a dead child? Well, that's des- desiccated. You know, it, they suspended their disbelief because they so desperately wanted to believe that it was an alien. Yes, and and I think that's the truth. I think that you know, <clears throat> you had a lot of guys that were incredibly well educated that have the you know have the background that should have known better. But they I think they turned off the critical reasoning. They, they took turned it off because they wanted it to be something, and, and that happens in anthropology. There, there are cases where people, you know, they want to believe something is the way it is, so they they you know subconsciously manipulate it to be that way. And that, that's not ufology. I mean, that's straight up anthropology. There, you know, there are plenty of situations like, you know, one of my personal favorite anthropologists is a guy named Napoleon Shagnon. Uh, he was part of, he worked at, I believe it was Northwestern, and he went down and studied the Yanomami people in, uh, in the, in the uh, Amazon. And the, you know, Shagnon got too close to them. He married a Yanomami woman, and, and he, he started to become one of them. And, and, you know, it, Years later, it turned out, well, he's like, well, I wanted to find out pieces of information, so I traded them axe heads. I said, okay, I'll give them an axe, and they'll give me information. They lied to him for a year, a year and a half straight, but ultimately, you know, it turned out that he he was paying pay to play. He was paying them to give him information, which is, you know, that's a no-no, right? Um and that dude's famous. I mean, he's written dozens of books on the Yanomami and other stuff. He did some fantastic research, but, you know, it, it makes you wonder, right? And I, I wanted to say something about disclosure. You know, um, I may be a conspiracy guy, and I, I like it. I'm a nut. I'm a conspiracy nut. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> I think disclosure is a fallacy. I think I don't think that it will ever come because I don't know what they're going to disclose exactly. What is the true nature of the situation? Exactly. You know, know, people like Dolan 
who write books about disclosure, Stephen Greer, they assume that there's some truth to be told. <clears throat> and I think that truth is relative, depending on who you talk to in the government. And I would, Think about I would, this. They're going to be mani- manipulated by whoever tells them whatever they tell them. Of course. To believe what they want them to believe. Because well, that's the way governments work. Right. And, and you know, you... You think about it for a minute that when they made the when they had the A twelve program, you know the the CIA for nearly twenty years perpetuated this fallacy that the SR seventy one and the A twelve was a UFO because it served their purposes, and it was so bad that the KGB was actually infiltrating. And this is true, the KGB was infiltrating uh, sky watching groups who were looking for UFOs because although the KGB didn't really think they were going to find UFOs, they knew damn well that they were probably going to see test aircraft. Mm-hmm. So the KGB actually infiltrated sky-watching groups not to find out UFO stuff. That That's a whole different thing. But they they did it intentionally to meet engineers, because en- there are engineers in these groups, and to uh, to look for test aircraft. You know, so, but my thing is, what exactly do you think you're going to find? What is disclosure? Are aliens real? Does the government even have an answer? You know, it, it, I, I just, I don't think that disclosure will ever come because I don't think that there's anything to disclose. I don't know that, that, you know, it's like, it's like there's a bombshell that they can drop that aliens are real. Well, you know, I think Hynek and Valley had the had the right answer that there's ten percent of the the UFO sightings. We have no idea what it is, right? So let's look at those ten percent critically and figure it out. The other ninety percent are test aircraft misidentifications. You know, when I when I try to do research on on exotic aircraft, I go look for UFO sightings. You know, because it's like I saw a triangle fly over my house. Well, that doesn't mean it was an alien triangle. It's most right. likely, yeah, it was most likely. Yeah, some, and I, I've done this numerous times that it was most likely, you know, some sort of an exotic aircraft running, you know, an aerospike engine or, you know, some sort of, you know, pulse detonation engine or something weird that that's new. But I and and the other thing that I've always believed. And I don't know, you know, it, it, may, it makes me unpopular sometimes. But I do ultimately believe that there are some things that should be secrets. I don't think that, you know, there's this disclosure mentality of, well, they have to tell us everything. Well, no, they don't. And they probably shouldn't. There, there are things that you don't want to know. They literally will tell you what they want you to think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean the fact that they don't even realize that it just blows my mind that they think that they can do you know Freedom of Information Acts and get congressmen involved and they're going to somehow get all the the, the secrets of, of we're going to bring the CIA and expect them to tell us the truth. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just it's stupidity. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's naivete. Unwise. That's a good way to. Put it. They're naive. They have to yeah, be. It's, it's unwise. And or it, or. What if those who are pushing so hard for disclosure are actually part of a disinformation campaign? You know, um, the thought had crossed my mind. I mean, I it's it's possible, but I don't I don't think it's necessary. Right. That that would imply that would imply that 
that they that there was an active program. I think that if you think if you look at it, if you look at what's been done in the past, you know, groups like the CIA or the KGB or others, you know, I think that they they leverage the the disinformation engine for the most part that exists within the organizations because the organizations are so fractured. Whether you talk about QFOS, QFON, MUFON, NICAP, they're all incredibly fractured. You know, go go to a yeah. MUFON meeting, and and you're going to get the group of guys that I usually hang out with, which are the engineers who are trying to figure out what these things are mechanically. You're going to get the experiencers who have had abductions or seen things that they can't explain. You're going to get the curiosity seekers, and they, they break into factions, and they sit together and they talk together. You know, and it's very fraction fractionalized. So I don't think. I don't think that anybody needs to hire a, a disinformation stooge to go out and, you know... I mean, look, we live in a world today where I can go look at, at conspiracy literature and I can see RT quoted back to me numerous times. RT is a, is a, is a propaganda machine created by the Russians that's budget is approved by, by Vladimir Putin. That's right. Well, I tell people that, that people post all this RT stuff about, right. you know, Jade, Jade Helm and all those other things, and I'm saying, you know, that's Russian times. That's basically Pravda. Okay, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Quite literally, it's in the same office. Yeah, that Pravda was in. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my so, so it's designed to destabilize, and it's also designed to um, um, undermine our confidence in our own government. Right, and, and it's also designed to, to make somebody who with a conspiratorial mindset interested in it. You see, again, this is where we've lost our reasonableness, that you can't look at some of these things. For example, you know, I'll take some flack for this one, but what the hell. For example, you take the whole U.N. trucks on a, tr- on a train thing, <laughs> right? Right. You know, and, and we're going to be invaded by the U.N., the the thing that most people don't understand. Hang on a second. Sorry about that. Uh oh, you've got you've done it now. They're yeah, coming now after. They're coming, that's right. They're coming up the stairs. <laughs> so when you think about the UN, right, and this notion that the UN is in, is invading us, the thing you have to remember is that the UN military is basically us. Whenever yeah. there's a problem and the UN sends in a peacekeeping force, nine times out of ten it's us. So we would have to effectively invade ourselves. Yeah. And and when you see these trucks on the back of flatbed, you know, flatbeds on a train or whatever, they're painted with UN colors, that's because the unit that they belong to has probably been assigned to a peacekeeping mission. <laughs> you see, it's it's that kind of reasonableness that, that has disappeared. Now, is there some skanky stuff with Jade Helm? Probably, you know, but I think that, that they, they get away with it because whatever the real motive is for things like Jade Helm, they get away with it because we're so fractionalized and destabilized because you ask 10, you read 10 websites and you get 10 answers. I mean, the same thing comes from press TV. I see press TV, press TV, press TV, veterans today, veterans today. Gorka, oh, my gosh. Gorka. You know, press yeah. TV is owned by the, by the revolutionary Islamic Republic of Iran. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's straight up owned by them. 
you know, and, and if you're a military analyst, I don't normally call out names, but this this one in particular I find incredibly galling. That if you if if you are a military analyst on press TV, you are being paid by Iran. Now, whether you think that that Iran's got it right or Iran's got it wrong, I don't care. But what they are is they they are not giving they would not be giving us information that would be useful. They're they're adversaries. They are adversaries at this at this time. That's right, and have been well, since the seventh. You know, uh, with, with regard to Jade Helm, you know, I I look at what happened in Garland, Texas, and I I have to say that you know I I believe that if anything's going on with Jade Helm, they're getting ready to deal with that problem on a larger scale. Yes, that because this that border has been porous. Yes, that border has been porous for decades, and the OTMs, the other than Mexicans. You know, from the, especially from the Middle East, have been pouring across that border. That's a fact. So they're getting ready to deal with something. That's what I think is going on with that. Well, so. I would I would also argue with you, or not with you, but to you that the I believe personally because things like FEMA camps exist. This is not made up. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that what you're seeing is is preparations for. Something and and yeah. you know what that something is 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 open to interpretation. Sure. Well, you know, I've been talking about that some too. I mean, you know, I think it could be uh, they're getting ready for a problem. You know, people who are here that shouldn't be here with ill intent, but also they they may be getting ready for economic collapse. Uh, Yellowstone caldera finally exactly. going. Exactly. Um, These types of things. There's yeah. something coming that they know about. Yeah, and, and if you look at the Jade Helm layout. It's basically in a perfect circumference around uh, the 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 fall uh, the fallout zone, the ash fall zone for uh, if Yellowstone goes, and you know c- uh, closing the WalMarts where they did, and then claiming plumbing problems, whatever. Well, it turns out that up in Canada, in the exact opposite direction and around the periphery, in that direction, they closed a bunch of big targets and claimed they were having plumbing problems. So. Um, it sounds like North America is getting ready for some sort of an event, or the yes. potential for it. I, I would agree. I'll, so, yeah. but but again, that's reasonableness. Like yeah. the, this is something that we we forget about. You know, I, I was I was looking at the the absolute classic black helicopters over America and black helicopters over America too. Mm-hmm. You know, by uh, Jim Keith, and <clears throat> I still think they're very relevant today. In fact, I would argue they're probably more relevant today than in the 90s when he wrote them. But I don't think it's a, a new world. I don't. I, I agree with them that I think it's a new world order strike force, but I don't think it's the UN. I think the UN is just a scapegoat because we basically are the UN, you know. But I think. It, but there are black helicopters. There are more of them now. But we're so distracted by watching trains and and by worrying about what Jade Helm is doing and listening to disinformation by RT. We're not thinking about what exactly what you said. How is the distribution of those shutdown WalMarts? What are they preparing for? What is the distribution of Jade Helm? What are they really after? And that is lost. And whether right. you talk about disclosure or you talk about Roswell mummies or whatever... That's the thing that's been lost, is the actual research. The Roswell mummy thing is a classic example of this. I don't understand, personally, how you could have 
20 guys working on this for three years, and I can mm. bunk it in 15 minutes. That <laughs> makes no sense to me. Except that, you know, all these guys were, were given money, you know, or some other, there's some other imperative. I think, I don't think that it was an intentional deceitment. I don't think that they, it's a hoax per se. I think it's a misidentification. I think a whole bunch of people got into a room and said, oh my god, that's an alien. And then, as you said, they, you know, they kind of set logic aside and, and set out to prove it was an alien. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think a lot of times the research part of these conversations, like what you pointed out in the distribution of the Jane Helm exercises, like you pointed out about the, the shutdowns of the Walmarts, that critical component where you actually try to figure out what they're doing is gone. The research is gone. <clears throat> I didn't see anything in that press. I saw a lot of BS. I saw a lot of BS from guys who knew better. <laughs> You know, well, they should have known I, better, for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You can't do forensics, right? I mean, I studied physical anthropology. Yeah, you, no physical you, specimen. Right. You can't do forensic analysis on a photo. <laughs> you can make some basic assumptions about what you're seeing, but counting ribs for real? Yeah, there, that was what got me. And I, you may remember I, I commented on that in that, that, that commentary on Dolan's page. You can no more count the ribs in that desiccated little corpse, then you can see the back of its head. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just not possible. It's you know, not. It, it, this most stupid thing, I, it's unbelievable to me. Literally. It's incredible. And, and I just, you know, and, and I understand, you know, Dolan's point of view. I mean, he, you know, I love Dolan's books. I think that, I think that the, that even the disclosure one that he wrote with Bryce Sable was really interesting. You know, right. I think, if if disclosure actually happened, I bet you it would go down some someone along the lines of what they proposed. I love UFOs in the national security state. I understand that he got invited down there, didn't really think about it, and was like, "Yeah, I'll come, sure." And it's like, "Well, I'm not a hundred percent." Yeah, but he went on. He went out there and he said, "I believe it's true." Mm. And for that, you know, there there are ramifications for that. You know, and I'm just. I don't know. I, I, I just I think that they somebody needs to fess up and just say, you know what, we made a mistake and that's okay. You know? It's all right. People make mistakes. You can say it's a it's a you know you can say that it's a Roswell alien photographed in nineteen forty seven, you know, from a crash in nineteen forty seven, but it looks like it's been desiccated for about a for about 500 years, mm-hmm. you know, that's all right. I, I can, you know, I'll accept your apology. But to try to sell it as real, you know, I heard a story once. It's not, not really about UFOs or conspiracies, but it was about a store. This store was a big, big national store, and they decided to compete with another national store. And then so they built out these special sections of their store. And it cost them $500,000 to build, I think it was, to build these special sections. And and they they did it. And, hold on a second. They're after me again. <laughs> they did it, and, and the, the sales were disappointing. They, they didn't get the kind of traction they wanted with their special, these special areas. And so, you know, time goes on, and, and they're... 
and six months goes by and they're not they're not getting what they want. So they say, okay, we're going to spend a million dollars to retrofill all of our stores to make to, we're going to make this work. So now they're in a million and a half and it's still not working. So instead of saying, you know what, it's not working, forget it. They say now we're going to put in three million. Right? They keep double down, keep on doubling down, doubling down, doubling down until it bankrupted the company. Hmm. I think that that's analogous to what you're seeing here. That that. Hmm. You know, I think when they didn't get the pop that they wanted off the Roswell slides, they should have taken a critical look at what everybody else was saying because there are some really good researchers that are telling them they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then step back and say, you know what? Right. They're, you know, maybe we made a mistake. We're going to we're gonna go ahead and we're going to, you know, we're going to look at this again and we're going to engage oh. some of these guys and, and check it out. But did they do oh. that? No. They accused people of, of lying. They accused yes. people of of hoaxery, you know. Look, I don't okay, even need this. I don't need. I don't need a piece of software to read no. body exactly. from San Francisco. It's clear that, as a that, bell. It is clear. Even the top. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Look, man. I mean, we didn't know about them supposedly um, uh, deblurring the placard and all this stuff. If someone had just sent that to me, because you know that's what I do is is, is graphics and stuff. I could have looked at that without deblurring software and deciphered body of two-year-old boy. I mean, it's obvious what it says. You don't need special software to even read it. it, it you know, it's, it's it's absurd. But instead of instead of coming back and saying, you know what, and I've done this. I mean, I've written something and then come back and said, you know what, I didn't get it right. I got something wrong. The best example I could ever think of is Duncan Luna. In the 70s, he, he did the Epsilon Belotes thing. Right. And he he said, after a while, he with the long delay echoes, and after a while he said, you know what, and he was in like Time Magazine. He said, you know what, I got it wrong. I actually deciphered it incorrectly. And he said, I did it again, and this is what I think it really says. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it said that. Right, you've got to have you've got to have the the guts to go. You know what? I made a mistake, and and I'm going to look at it again. I think if they had did, done that, this would have been a different conversation. But now everybody's going to jump to that that option of why did they do it? They did it for money. Seven thousand people sitting in there, fifty bucks a head, three hundred fifty grand, two three thousand people sitting online paying twenty bucks a head. You know that's another hundred grand. It's yeah, like, exactly. You know, payday. You think they really made. You, you think they really made that much money? Well, they claim there were seven thousand in the in the auditorium. Okay, so so here here's the here's the deal then. The reason that they're so aggressively denying that it that they were wrong and they're accusing other people of of hoaxing their crappy stuff is because they know that legally they could be in trouble. Not only might they have to refund all the money. But there are probably some sort of fraud law, laws about you know crossing interstate uh, or international boundaries. There's something going on here that they're trying to avoid. That could be. That's just yeah. I think that's probably what's going on. Well, there's that, and then there is probably one of the more baser of emotions. You have pride and ego going on here. That's true too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is probably one of the biggest things that is going on, is that, you know, these people had convinced themselves that they were correct, and uh, to be told otherwise, uh, that's an insult to their, uh, that's an insult to their pride, insult to their <laughs> ego, and, you know, and they're, they're, they are not going to be willing to back down on that. And, you know, I, I again want to point out that, you know, I don't normally call people out. I don't normally um, go after people. It's not my style. You know, it's not it's not the way that I want to portray myself. But in this situation, I think that, that you know, the Roswell slides, I think that that is, you know, there, there has to be some level of accountability. Sooner or later, it's appropriate. Right. And, it, you know, I just don't, there, there are other people out there that like to call people out. I'm, I'm not one of those people. You know, and, and I'll tell you this, out of all the people that are involved in that fiasco, I would say that Dolan is probably, he's probably in the best position because he's maintained, well, you know, it looks good, but I'm not 100%. So he always had that escape door. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that was wise. Yeah. You know, because I mean, look, this stuff is this stuff is kind of nebulous, and you know, you could get it wrong. And people, they're on both sides. They're they are. It is somewhat like a religious war. You know, it, it's not just the the quote unquote believers. I mean, the the skeptics too. You know, and, and those of us who are reasonable are caught in the middle. And that's really, you know, when yeah, I that's right. When I took over Steam Shovel, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do, well, one of the things I'm going to do is I want to maintain that reasonableness. The Steam Shovel was always a very reasonable operation. Mm-hmm. That You know, you, in some of the other magazines out there, you know, I don't need to tell you which ones are which, but in some of the other magazines there were, let's just say, more grandiose flights of fancy. But you know, Ken Ken always kept it very down to earth mechanics. This is how it works. This is you know, it wasn't a lot of a lot of fantasy and and highfalutin. It was it was a functional magazine. It was a magazine that you could read and and read about the mechanics of the Kennedy assassination, or you know, read about this thing that was going on. You, you interview Timothy Leary, you're going to get some stuff that's out there. You know, Robert Anton Wilson wrote a number of articles, and, you know, some of them can be very fascinating to read. But still, even as exotic as those are, they're still very grounded. I mean, Leary, you know, was still very grounded about what he was doing. It's just, you know, I mean, he's on LSD. <laughs> 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 you know, but. <laughs> I want well, guys, to continue that. I think we need we need to call back to that reasonableness. You know, it's missing. Yeah, yeah, we yeah it, it is. Um, gentlemen, let's uh, let's go ahead. It's uh, it's time for us to take our break now. So uh, uh, why don't we? This is a, a good opportunity to do that. So uh, you're listening to the Outer Edge of the PSN Radio Network. I'm Tim Swartz. Tonight we're talking to Ola Phillips, and we will be right back in just a few minutes. So please stay tuned.
and share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. We're rewarding you for something you already do, listening to us. It's radio loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen, points you can trade in for great products and services in the radio loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio loyalty, it's free to sign up, so click the banner to join now. Only in the forest can you see this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. And you might just see this. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. The Outer Edge. I'm Mike Mott here with Tim Schwartz and our very special guest, Olaf Phillips. Coming back into the show, you were listening to the tune Sombrata Blades by the Tribal Music Warriors. Very cool stuff. Um, you can find it online. Just search for Tribal Music Warriors and uh, yeah, yeah, you can find it. It's very cool. Good stuff. Okay, so anyway, when we went to uh, break, we were we were talking about uh, uh, these Roswell slides and, and so forth. and The, so, the non-Roswell slides. Yeah, the non-Roswell slides. The, <laughs> the dead, desiccated baby slides um, and I, I'm not even going to apologize for saying that um, oh that's what I want to talk about I was online the other day and I saw where uh, Anthony Bragalia Bragalia made a or whatever his name is he made some big long grandiose uh, apology and I'm wrong and this and that and I apologize to all the Native Americans who ever lived from the beginning of time I'm sorry I dishonored the memory of the dead baby blah 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 you know, it was absurd. It was the most politically correct, vapid thing, which is probably why somebody deleted it, because it ended up disappearing. Um, 
And I, I get, you know, I, I just can't help but think that I've watched this guy for years, ridicule, besmirch, uh, uh, researchers, writers, ex- people who have had experiences, act like everybody's a liar, act like everybody's delusional. He's so smart. He's so intelligent. He's so wise. And then, boom, here he is, right in the middle of this fiasco of stupidity. You know, the way that I approach it as a researcher is that I want to assume that you're telling me the truth. I want yeah. to assume that you're you're accurately expressing to me the experience that you had. And it's my, my job to understand what that experience was, and if you are lying to me, why you're lying to me. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but I, I try to keep an open mind and, and approach it from a, well, maybe it is an alien. No, I don't think so. It says it's from San Francisco. I don't think there's, that doesn't sound like Zeta Reticuli to me. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, this, this whole idea of someone who goes about trying to make himself look like he's so much more intelligent than everyone else and, and failing for years, and then to finally be one of the guys burned by something as dumb as this whole deal, to me it's just somehow ironically perfect. You can apologize to all the dead Native Americans you want to, but that's not going to change what happened. Well, I think it's it's always that moment, right, where you get the guy who who cops a trip on everybody who gets shut down in a hard way. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, very much so. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't cop a trip on anybody. I, I try to just be a normal person. So if I make right. a mistake, exactly. I cop to it. And everybody goes, you know what, you're human. But if if you walk around saying I'm I'm the best, I'm the smartest guy in town, then, you know, when That's you fall, right. you fall hard. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this, this was all a very interesting uh, uh, thing to watch unfold. But I, I, do think, I do think that there has to be some level of accountability now. So you know, what do you think, think would, should, how should that fall? I mean, should that be financial? Should it be legal? No. Should it be, I mean. I think it's enough should, to, I think, it, I think two things have to happen. One is that, you know, me included, right? I'm, I may write, but I'm an audience member too, right? And I think that, I think that, that us as the audience of this kind of stuff, we have to be very skeptical and critical. And, and that's sad, but it is what it is. I think that we have to be have an open mind. I think we have to, you know, be willing to to go and make that leap. But at the same time, I think we have to be grounded and reasonable and say, okay, let's call a spade a spade. And and I think that's actually what happened this time. And and in some ways, I'm very happy about that. But I also think that. That the the originators of this thing, you know, they need to. I think they, for themselves included, they need to admit that they made a mistake, and that that would go a long way to fixing it. But on a grander scale, you know, this is a huge problem. I mean, this is, you know, the the mainstream media that wants to shut this kind of stuff down. This is exactly what they hope and prayed for. Sure, sure it is, and people will use this incident. This incident to ridicule ufology, UFOs, the whole topic, right. Roswell. It's just another another thing that they can use to discredit real researchers and real research. But what I don't want to see is I don't want to see any more of 
you know, some of these people being treated like they're gods. Hmm. Yes. That that yeah. day is over. Yes, I'm, and it I'm should not be. a god, and neither are you. Exactly, and that that is a very important thing to have come out of this. Yes, that we're we're all in this together. Yeah, you know? exactly. <clears throat> there, you know, because if you if you look at some of the people that were involved in this, they they do have a a, a track record of uh, not always getting it right. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I think that that you know, and and I think that, that it places a greater responsibility on us as as legitimate researchers, if you want to say legitimate, you know, us as researchers maybe is a better word because I don't, you know, some of the stuff that that I found it may or may not be legitimate. I just I'm a researcher. I throw I put it out there, throw it out there. Hey, right. So what I got is my evidence, you know, take it or leave it. But I think that it does it does place a larger burden on people who are after the right who have the right agenda or who have the right uh, thought process in mind to be willing to say not in a mean way, not in an adversarial way, but to say, I don't agree with you and let me tell you why. And I think that you know that Dolan I know we always go back to him, but he's the one who's the, been the most vocal. Mm-hmm. Dolan pointed out, and, and I believe it, that he has been harassed and threatened and a lot of other things that shouldn't be happening. You know, yeah. But the one thing that I am happy about is that as I read those postings that he makes and the people that respond, whether it's Redfern or you or you know or, or uh, a lot of the other you know Philip Mantel or whoever's responding, they're is sticking to the facts. Right. You know, those people I know for a fact are involved in research, I think are being very fair about it. Yeah, I and, think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. you're always going to have somebody who's a little nuts or wacky who's going to be like, you know, who approaches it from an extremist point of view. But I think I've been very happy that a lot of the researchers that I like, you know, that I personally enjoy reading their stuff, whether I believe it all or not, you know, um, but I've seen a lot of researchers where they're coming into the fold and saying, you know what, I believe it because, or I don't believe it because, and we're having a reasonable conversation. This is what should have happened for three years before they put it out. Right. But never happened. There was no... The way I always describe it to people is that there... It's like when I watch... Uh, when I watch uh, <clears throat> Hell's Kitchen or I watch Kitchen Nightmares, I'm a Gordon Ramsay fan. And, you know, you got the guy who's running the pass. There's somebody there running the pass. So when the food comes in, you check it, you cut it. Is it cooked? Does it look good? And then it goes out. That kind of quality control mechanism was woefully missing. Well, that's what I was going to say. How long did they have to really, really review those slides? Why did they? Why did they not? Yeah. Why did they not ask all the critical questions? You know, why is this body not preserved somehow? Why is it? Why is it desiccated? Why is it shriveled up? How could it be a Roswell alien? Would the military not have instantly taken a dead and, one and, and, and preserved it properly? Why is it in a display case exposed to the open air where it can spread contagion or, or rot away? You know, on and on and on. Well, all these and, questions. You know. And the theatrics aside, why am I asking an astronaut who studied, you know, aerospace engineering to identify a mummy? 
<laughs> right, right. Right, the, right. The whole thing was just ridiculous. And it's obvious that it, that even in the slide that it's in a room that has other display cases with other non-alien things in them. I mean, it's obviously a damn museum. Or as I said, the janitor's closet, you know. So, yeah. I mean, well, once once again, though, I mean, we are back to these people thought that they had something earth-shaking, earth-shattering, and they were going to keep that keep it to themselves. They, you know, like you said, why didn't they uh, bring in other people and ask their opinions? I mean, you know, why, uh, you know, instead they hoarded it like a treasure. Because they thought that they had, like uh, like everyone has said, they had the smoking gun, and that when they released it, everybody was going to, you know, remember them as the guys who broke the UFO mystery. Right. And that's what it all boiled down to. And, right. and you, you know, when you, when you research this stuff, right, you can't be afraid to go to mainstream science. Mm-hmm. They're not always going to give you the answer you want, but you should always listen to what they say, right? Yes. If, you want to, if you want to know how a burst transmitter works, go ask somebody who's used a burst transmitter. Right. If you want to, if you want to identify something that's in a museum, or it looks like it's in a museum setting, go talk to somebody who runs a museum. It doesn't right. have to be a huge museum. It could be any museum. It could be the county museum. But go ask somebody who runs a museum. Say, yeah, say, what does this look like to you? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and why, more importantly, why does it look like that to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it you know, if you're, just write, if you're just writing some articles, whatever. You know, do your own research. You know, work on it, but you file the FOIA request. Do whatever you got to do to do your own research. If you've got something that you're putting up as that earth-shattering, you should at least address the conventional view of it. Spread That's a very love. good point. Yeah. Spread the love. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and who knows? Maybe th- maybe they maybe they did, and then they rejected. Any opposing viewpoints? Because, like you said, I mean, you know, I mean, oh gosh, I remember when they first started talking about this. Is what, like two, three years ago, maybe? Yeah. And you know, a trailer. That that's what really worried me. <laughs> yeah. They made a trailer where they they showed people things and and asked for spot opinions. It's like, are we making a movie? You know, is this is this a uh, you know Transformers or is this UFO research. Well, they they think that they were doing viral marketing with that, and all they did was, I mean, they just made it worse. They made the letdown, the whole crash of everything, a thousand times worse than it would have been if they just kind of kept it low key. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, much ado about nothing, you know. And uh, I just can't believe that at least at least Bregalia did come out and admit, hey. Looks like I was wrong after all. I'll give him credit for that. But these other guys that don't want to admit it, there's some serious issues there. Personal well, personality issues. Yeah. Well, and what's happened? What's happened to the second slide? Supposedly there was several slides here, and so far all I've seen is one. No, there's two. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen the second slide. It was actually shown, but it's. It's basically the first slide at a slightly different angle. It's there's oh, nothing earth shatteringly different. There, you can't count extra ribs. 
<laughs> but you see, that's all I did. Look, I, I spent a few minutes and and did some research because I I don't know, it just didn't seem right to me. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy who wrote a pretty interesting article, you know, just comparing it against a a item in the Smithsonian. And you know, <clears throat> I gave gave everybody a link to his website and said, "Hey, go check this out," because he this guy thinks that it's from a that it's. It's a mummy that was discovered in the, the mid-1800s. It's in the Smithsonian. Same damage to the head, same weight, everything. You know? <laughs> and then right. I started blowing up the photos and looking at the grave goods and other stuff that's surrounding it. It's like, how could you possibly think this is an alien? I did that in a half an hour. Mm. Half an hour. He's half an hour. He's got years. Yeah. There's just no excuse for it. Uh, it's it's intentionally self-deluded is what it is. I, that's the only way I can look at it. I mean, how can you not just do the basic due diligence of, of you know, basic research into these things before you – and hold it for three years? It, just, it, it boggles the mind. Well, plus, you know, what was it? It was late last year – uh, it, uh, they they released a uh, uh, a little uh, film on the research of this on YouTube that showed like a a, a, a photographic expert uh, uh, working on it, and uh, he he made like uh, what was it? it was like a a three D um, drawing yeah. of the head. Like, like uh, amazing three D models. Yes. yes, yes. And they tried to make it like an alien, and basically... Oh, my gosh, it looked just like an alien. <laughs> it, it was, it's just basically a data set based on a dead child. I mean, you take a, a dead child shape, and you remove all the hair, <laughs> and give it a strange color, you know, and, and so forth, and it's going to look like a little alien or an elf or something. Well, no, I can't. I can't remember. I mean, was the slide that this guy was working on, I mean, was it... Uh, was he working on an actual uh, uh, clear image of the slide? You're, or yeah, there, there's actually they've made available high, a high resolution scan of the slide. That he was working off a, a good scan of that slide. Yeah, the problem is the but, slide itself is not it's not a well taken photo. It's blurry. No, but but still, I mean, the reproduction that he that he presented is like Mike said. It looked like you know your your traditional uh, you know what, pop culture alien. You know what it looked like to me? It looked like those awesome photos that I got from UFO Cover Up Live in 1988. Yes, you're right. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's just it's just if you take computer graphics in 1988 and fast forward, you know. 25 years and <laughs> try it again. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Take that off the markings for Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, now, uh, are we going to see the same thing happen again, though, in 10 years Ten years from now? Because, I mean, it was, what, I mean, uh, it wasn't, I mean, it's a little more than that with the whole uh, uh, alien autopsy uh, fiasco. Well, and they released it on the same day as the alien autopsy was. Right, 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 right exactly. So, I mean, uh, are we going to see the same thing happen again, you know, a, a number of years down the line because people just, you know, have short-term memory and, uh, you know, once again will get swept up in, uh, in, in, in something new or what Inevitably. they think is new? Yeah. Inevitably. 
it's it's a complete inevitable it's in, inevitable that will happen again and again and again <laughs> because there's you know humans by their very nature enjoy the drama and the theatrics right I had a feeling it was fake because the the more hype you put into it it's kind of like when I when you watch uh, when you watch a TV show mm-hmm. right <clears throat> you know I like I like Kitchen Nightmares and, and Gordon Ramsay. When I tune into Gordon Ramsay, if they spend half the show, you know, on one segment, then you you know you know that the it's all about that drama. Right. Nothing else happened. So when they they hyped it up so bad, you know, I knew that it was going to be a letdown. And when I saw how many people they had involved, and and I saw the trailer and all the 3D modeling and all the other crap, it was like yeah. a five and a half hour long event. And yeah, somebody had to get paid to do all that. Yeah. And so you know, when I saw the amount of effort they were putting into it, I thought to myself, you know, there there's something wrong here. And there was. They only have two slides. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how well, do you make five and a half hours on two slides? So yeah, I agree. So you, so you're saying you had seven they, that they had seven thousand people in the auditorium, supposedly, yeah. And then how many online people pay twenty bucks a pop? The number is is uncertain, but it was quoted as being thousands. Hmm. Okay, so how much did the auditorium entry co- cost? I don't know. I have no way of telling. They made some money. <laughs> they did, and that's okay. You know? but, they, but they made it based on a fraud. Yeah, now, but was, I, it a, I would, was it a fraud or was it just group stupidity? I mean, let's, I, let's I would, look at it. You know? I would posit it, posit to you that it, it was most likely groupthink, something hysteria, naivety. Hmm. Well, group groupthink is is the idea of hive hive thinking that you have everybody yeah. thinking the same thing, right? And and you know. You get it's that kind of mob mentality where you get a bunch of people in a room and they all start to think the same way, mm-hmm. and and it started with one misidentification, you know, and and it just it just went on from there. All of the guys that I saw who did the research, you know, these guys should have known better, but I can I can point to numerous times in in history, you know, from the Romans to today right. where. Well, you should have known better. Well, you know what this reminds you know. me of, even more than the Bigfoot in the freezer. This reminds me of <laughs> a built-down man. Mm-hmm. I pointed that out because you know that was a big thing where everybody was convinced it was real and it was what they thought it was, what someone said yes. it was, and it was all a hoax. And they taught even the that. experts, yeah, yeah, and they they actually taught that. And I studied anthropology. We had. You know, our our uh, our textbooks had entire chapters devoted to the to the hoax the hoaxing of Piltdown Man. Well, now, think and about this. At the time, it they was, taught it for thirty years. Yeah, it was in all the it was in all the literature as being real. It was. Wow. And it was actually taught to anthropology students as being real for mm-hmm. thirty years. Yeah. So you know, I don't. I don't think, I mean, that started with a fraud. I don't think this, this started with a fraud. I think this started with the misidentification, and I think that, you know, certain people got really excited about it, and, and, and that excitement spread, as it usually does. And I think that you could, you could see it on some of their faces 
when they were sitting there and they were watching people's reactions, you could tell with a couple of the people sitting on that stage, they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> if you watch the video, you can actually see the reactions of the people on the stage where it's like, oh, shit. Mm. What have I done? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think that anybody needs to pay anybody back or yeah. anything like that. I'm I'm personally I'm willing to cop it up to over over excitement about a misidentification. Well, it, 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 is, it is it probably like you said it probably was worth it for you, you know, to pay the 20 bucks. And uh just because now you got to see it all unfold. It's just oh, too yeah. bad that you don't have it all on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it on my big TV. <laughs> oh, the D- the DVD will be coming out next with uh, uh, director's uh, director's commentary. No, but, 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 the ver- but the version you, the version you saw on on the screen though, you know, where you could see all their reactions without any edits, without any, you know, that would be perfect. You know, and, and just the way that it was played up, and you know, I mean, it was it was fun to watch. But you could see a bunch of guys on there going, oh, crap. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. But, you know, again, that's that's why I do research. That's why I write. That's why I got Steam Shovel Press. There needs to be a return to the, to the reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to go back to the days of even, even reasonable, reasonable pe- uh, presentation of the insane. I mean, I've seen, I saw stuff on Ripley's Believe It or Not with Jack Palance. Hmm. It was utterly mind-bogglingly nuts. But Palance gave it to you reasonably. And at least made you think about it for a couple minutes. In Search Out, there was stuff in there that was completely out of this world. But you've got Leonard Nimoy. He's narrating it to you. It comes across as a very reasonable thing. I'm not forcing you to believe this. Some of the things that you may see on the show may be shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't come to me and tell me that that you you know you found you found the the smoking gun because then I expect you to have found it. You know, let's let's see all this stuff for what it is. Right, right. We all write books. What are we doing? We're investigating something that's happened. We're giving the best possible scenario based on our research, you know. And it's it's a process, you know. I I have never and will never write anything that I I knowingly I I, I completely know is false. I will not knowingly ever deceive anybody with my writing. It goes against everything that I believe in. Have I gotten things wrong? Sure. Do I cop to it? Yeah. If you tell me, hey, you know, Mike, if you called me up the other, you know, tomorrow and said, hey, I read that article, <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll put something up and say, hey, you know, I got it wrong. Or I'll at least say, hey, this is my logic. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the one thing that has to come out of this, that we have to have come out of this, is that, you know, we have to. Some of the people that were involved in hyping it need to back off, mm-hmm. and we need to, to stop seeing these people and and quoting their you know their their CVs. Yes, I think CVs, so too. Yeah, yeah. Their CVs are worthless. 
you know, and, and I think we also need to say okay to people like Dolan who, you know, and other people who are saying, you know what, maybe they got this wrong. Hey, good job for, you know, for, for being reasonable and saying, you know what, maybe it's not right. For being honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I just hope, you know, I don't know. For me, it, I don't even know how to articulate it properly. For me, you know, it's it's why I got Steam Shovel, man. It's because we need a, you know, I, I look at the people that wrote the last issue, and it's like, I love these guys. You know, I love you guys. You know, when you guys write stuff, it's fascinating. And, and it's thought-provoking. And it's reasonable. And it's it's well thought through. Thank and you, I, I think we need a return to that. You know, we need to stop with all the reality television and the snap, the snap photography. What are you thinking at this very second? And go back mm-hmm. to a place where we're actually thinking about stuff and putting the effort in to try to understand what just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm if I'm seeing a UFO and I'm filming it, it's sure it's a UFO. It's unidentified to me, so it's a UFO. But and after you get past that, that you saw something inexplicable, you got to go back and say, what the hell was that? Right. <laughs> and maybe maybe it's aliens. That's that's a reasonable option, you know? But we got to say stop saying again and again, we got the smoking gun. Because <laughs> it bites you every time. Whether you're set up, like you take Bob Oshler, <laughs> right, with Guardian... That whole that that whole uh, <clears throat> cosmic journey thing, I love that. Hmm. And he had he had Bobby Ray Inman on tape, admitting all that stuff. And he had the smoking gun, right? And what happens? He gets a, a Manila envelope in the mail, sealed with a thumbprint, and it shows a UFO landing, right? And he suspends his disbelief for a minute and says, it's got to be true, it's got to be true, it's got to be true. And they faked it, and they set him up. Mm-hmm. And now whenever whenever anybody hears about Bob Oshler, they don't think about Cosmic Journey. They don't think about the whole Bobby Ray Inman thing. Right? Right. They think about Guardian. Right. And you know what's even worse is that now they don't think about any of it because all that stuff was done in the 90s and it doesn't exist. That's oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Well, it's, it's true, though. I mean, you know, you ask uh, uh, you ask a lot of people in the field now about that, that whole situation and they'll just, they'll just give you kind of that blank stare. You know, I've never heard about that. Right. I want to bring that stuff back. Yeah, it needs, I want to bring back all those days. And it needs to be brought back because history repeats itself. Yes. yes. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I need I need good researchers. You know, I need people who write well and who do good research. I need to give them an outlet to get their stuff across. Because damn it, there aren't a whole lot of these magazines left. Right. You know? Well you've already I've already told you you could use my stuff that's on the blog, so Hey. Oh yeah! I believe me. I, I love that one you wrote about about uh, the Norse mythology. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That is <laughs> Rainbow Bridge. I want to uh, I want to ask you 
Real quick here, uh, Olaf. Sure. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of uh, time left, unfortunately. Uh, I just, uh, I just recently was reading my uh, my latest uh, issue of uh, Forty and Times, and they had a really good review in there about your book, uh, The Secret Space Age. Uh, have you seen that? I have, I have, and in Nexus Magazine. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now now Forty and Times. I mean, they they don't give good book reviews very often. No, and but uh, yeah, they 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 gave you uh, and the Secret Space Age just just uh, a really good review. So I mean, you know, I I think that you should be very happy about that. I I was you know I sent that around to my whole family. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, they the guy actually said that it was it it sh- you know everybody who's interested in this this particular genre you know needs it on their bookshelf and i was like wow you know (laughs) for a first-time writer (laughs) wow i was so happy you have no idea (laughs) well other other than that review i mean how has the response been to your book you know it's been good i mean you know i I always get panned because there there are a few typos in there um i uh you know, I just, I have typos. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help it. <laughs> but it's been good, you know. I think a lot of people read it. And I, I think the, you know, uh, some, the people who knew something about it, um, I think they found a new angle to it. And the people who didn't know about it, you know, the whole secret space program thing, I think that they... You know, it, it gave them more questions to ask. And that, that was really my intent. You know, somebody somebody uh, wrote once that, you know, was I trying to replace Joseph Farrell? Hmm. And, you know, no. I don't see it as replacing anybody. But I'll tell you this. I come from a, from a completely different angle than he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I leveraged, you know, some of the research he had done. And, you know, I quoted him and stuff, and, and there, you know, some of the things that he did, you know, he researched were great, you know. But at the same time, there's no other book, you know, out there today that will tell you why Kamler, Hans Kamler, is the right guy to run that program. You know, nobody bothered to figure out who Kamler really was. Hmm. And he's a very scary guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, very scary. Think of think of very scary, and you see Kamler. You know, really. And he, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Bad bad news guy. And he, um, but you know, he was the right guy to run that operation. You know, and if anybody was going to survive World War Two, it'd be Hans Kamler. Well, nobody else bothered to do the research on Hans Kamler. You know, so. You know, I think the the reception of it has been very good because I, I approached it from a different point of view, and I think that really paid off. The only problem is now I got to write another one. <laughs> there's there's more there's more there's more that I didn't I didn't put out there. <laughs> cool. Well, I, yeah, I'll be I'll be excited to uh, to see the next one. Because the first, you know, the first one, I mean, you, you just you, you covered so much ground, and uh, and w- with a lot of material in there that that 
that I hadn't run across before. And, and, and you know, as you well know, I mean, I've, I've been researching this subject for, for a long, long time. And, I mean, you, you, you uncovered stuff that I was just like, wow, really? You know, um, you, know you, you in particular, I remember um, going to Tower Books, you know, and, and finding stuff that you had done when I was younger. You know, and it was it was books like yours. I'm sorry, Mike. You know, I love your work too. I, I buy all That's your fine, books man. as well. But I My found you much later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim's been doing this for a while. I mean, uh, yeah. And he was on the cutting edge of a lot of the, not just the UFO stuff, <laughs> but the the UFO overlap into conspiracy type stuff. Well, I was I was reading the Commander X stuff when I was yes. in, you know when I was 19 years old. You know. It, you know, and it was it was quintessential in my development that you know I, I finally came across a person who was like, it's not always aliens, right. which is something that I had started to believe. And you know, I one of the things that I tell I like about your stuff is that you were always like, well, sometimes it's aliens and sometimes it's not, right? <laughs> you know, and and I, that that's how I felt. But yeah, it, it um, you know, I remember reading your stuff at Tower Books. <laughs> Tower was the place to get that kind of stuff. It was too bad we don't have good big bookstores everywhere like we used to. But they're probably uh, going to be disappearing. I think. I miss that. I really do. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, Oh, well, unfortunately, we are almost out of time here, so uh, why don't you uh, uh, tell our audience where uh, they can find you online, where they can find your books, uh, uh, things like that. Well, I've, uh, I've done a bunch of books. They're all on Amazon. Uh, there's a Secret Space Age. There's Ark of the Covenant and other ancient weaponry. There's a, a fantastic one that was edited by a guy I know about uh, the secret history of, of uh, the United States. <laughs> um, yeah, we've all had, we all have our fingers in that pie. Yeah, we all have a little, little piece of that one, don't we? That's, 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 good, that's a good work, though. It is. It is a good one. Um, but, you know, like with anything, uh, you can always find everything at anomalies.net. And from there, you can, you'll be able to get to Steam Shovel or Mysterious Magazine, uh, you know, whatever you want to get to. Anomalies.net is, is the place to start. And how's your, uh, how's your Roku channel doing, by the way? Good. I'm up to about 35,000 subscribers. Cool. Yeah, That's fantastic. It's fun. It's that good. is. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm 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 getting some new content. Uh, you know the the guys over at the Conspiracy Channel are helping me out, and you know so they're they're giving me some awesome new content. And he's been remastering. I think he's remastered Alternative Three. He fixed some of the audio problems and other stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, the Conspiracy Channel. He's uh, Rob, the guy who runs it. He's He's doing a lot. <laughs> and then uh, I've been working with uh, Randy over at the UFO store to find some, you know, rare uh, UFO videos. Mm, he has an fantastic. amazing selection. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Olaf, thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, uh, coming uh, and uh, being with us tonight on The Outer Edge. This yes, we do. Just, it's always great to have you on. Well, it's yeah. always an honor for me to be on. <laughs> well, I tell you... Um, We'll have to have you back more often. How, when was the last time you were on? Was it about four or five months ago? Oh, I don't know. A couple, yeah, four months ago. 
Yeah. So we need to do it about at least that often. Sure. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. Yep, that's right. All right, so uh, uh, you've been listening to The Outer Edge tonight with our guest, uh, Olaf Phillips. I'm Tim Swartz with Mike Mott. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And be sure to tune in again this time next week for another exciting show. Who knows what will happen? It's a mystery to us as well. So thanks for listening. Yeah, it is. So (laughs) thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Outer Edge.